At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, the only podcast, well, the best podcast, should I say, for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker, collector, or whatever it may be. Hosted by myself, as usual, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and normally we have Marek Marmasi of Marmasi Fire Arts, but he's not with us today. He's traveling, traveling back from, from the Lifting Elk Fest that he was at last week. Um, so it's just myself and Jeff today. How are you, Jeff? I'm fine. You don't sound great, if you don't mind me asking. Mind me say, just starting right in. I, it's good to hear you. I'm sorry Mareko's not here, but I'm noticing that there's something different in your voice. Yeah, I'm a bit full up. A little bit full up, a bit phlegmy, a bit snotty. Um, uh, yeah, I did have to do a COVID test on what? what so today is Saturday. We, we don't record on a Friday, but today right. is Saturday. Um, I did a COVID test on Thursday evening. Can you guess? <sighs> I'm saying riddled. Correct. I'm saying just like you said to me all those f- two years ago. Yeah, you said you're riddled. So I'm going to say the same thing: riddled. I am. Oh. We've had a good run of it two years, and I've kept I've kept away. I've been a pure blood until now. Um, but um, no, unfortunately, it was positive. Uh, oh no! Thankfully, my my wife and and the kids they're all they're all good. They're negative. Um, so yeah, I'm isolating, and um, oh, it's just boring. Just boring. And to be honest, I felt fine until now, but the, today I've woken up and I feel just really fluey and a bit, you know, a bit sort of soggy. Um, but, um, you know, it's not too bad. I know people have had it far worse, so I just hope I don't get any worse than this, really. Right. Well, how are you guys doing the isolation? Your wife well, is like very, very pregnant when you have two three year olds. Very, very. So, I mean, we're in a complete pressure pot at the moment. So, um, my wife, as a very pregnant, um, due in two weeks' time officially, but she is huge and she's virtually been told she's going to go early. So it's a real worry because with me testing positive, I obviously wouldn't be allowed in the hospital um, if you know if if she were to go into labour now. Um, so that's a real, real worry because you know in hospital she's effectively in a foreign country where she doesn't speak the language and it's 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 just a lot of stress. So I'm hoping I'm going to be, you know, I'm testing twice a day, mornings and evenings, um, to get that sort of negative result. Um, and I'm hoping 
that's going to be you know good soon and i'm hoping she doesn't you know drop the baby soon as well <sighs> so but you know we're isolating so um you know we have our own rooms own bathrooms that kind of thing so it's not too bad but obviously she's with our kids all day right um, so she's not really resting as she should be um the kids have broken up for school now it's it's half term um so yeah it's it's we're in a pressure pot and the gaskets are about to blow that's all i can say oh my god yeah it's fine do you think you're gonna your parent your family's gonna come to help especially if she goes into labor we not just to mention being with her but i mean what are you gonna do with the kids yeah well my wife amy's um, mother and father live here in France. Um, but obviously we're trying to keep our distance from them at the right. moment because they're quite vulnerable. And even though Amy's testing negative, the fact that, you know, she lives in the house with me and all the rest of it is, uh, you know, it's tough. We, yeah. Yeah. So, so they are on hand. Um, I mean, Amy's dad is here in the house upstairs now doing some work, doing some tiling in the bathroom. Um, but, um, yeah, when it comes to, you know, with the kids and stuff, we're trying to be careful, but it may have to come to the point where, you know, they have to step in a bit, you know, so that's where, that's where we're at. For some um, reason, for some reason, I apologize. For some reason, I thought, you know, you're from, you know, the UK. I thought you were going to say, if the time comes, we're going to have to put them up for adoption. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought it was like some Oliver Twist shit. You're going to go straight into Oliver Twist. Yeah. They're send all, them gonna off have on to, a train. Gonna ha- they're going to have to be put on a, sent to a, sent to an orphanage. <laughs> uh no but um we're, we're fine we're on it we're actually in quite good spirits really um yeah so it's 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 all good um yourself how are you i'm fine <laughs> compared to you i listen i went through this shit i went through this shit two years ago everything's fine i get the only thing you know funny enough we you know we talked about you know two years ago you said when i tested positive you asked me and I said that. The funnier part, the another kind of revelation is is that same time, right before the panty started, I got pulled over on my way back from Doghouse Forge. Mm-hmm. It was a bullshit pullover. The guy couldn't see me and he thought I rolled through the stop sign and it, I clearly didn't. He, there's no way he could have seen me. Yeah. And he even pulled me over and I'm just my my record's super duper clear, clean. And I just looked at him I, and I didn't mouth off. I, you know, did everything you're supposed to be doing. You turn, you, you turn your dome light on, put your hands on, and sorry, officer, you know, blah, 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 blah. He ran my, my, my license and everything was good. And I could tell he came back just like, yeah, this is some bullshit. I, I really shouldn't yeah. do this. So, so I didn't hear. So I sent my ticket in. And for two years, we didn't hear anything to the point where I thought, if I get pulled over again, am I going to get in trouble? Like, I didn't hear anything from the, a court date or anything. So I just got the court date from two years ago. Oh. So I got to go to the court on the 4th of March. And I had to try, I'm going to have to actually listen to that episode where I was talking about it because I don't even remember what actually happened. So, so the judge will the, play Exhibit A, my lord, and he'll start playing out podcasts. Yeah, fucking <laughs> my lord. My lord. See, that's how you know. That's how you know we're in different countries. I think you're sending <laughs> off your fucking kids to an orphanage and you seem to think. <laughs> and I'm going to be calling a judge, my lord! I'm like, my God. Lord. So, I, yeah. So, that's 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 uh, that's it. And I've just been working hard, and um, you know, the it's actually kind of a nice weather today. So, unfortunately, you know, blah blah blah. We don't talk about the pandemic that much, but I mean, you know, it's just there's a it sucks. I, I really feel badly for you because it's like I know what you're going through, and I know that you know your wife is like ready to go, and. I know I know how hard it is to have one person be positive and then the, try to keep the other 
other people negative. So I'm dude, anything we can do for you, you know, I'm sending you by thoughts and prayers as Americans like to say. Thank you. Thank you. But I mean, I, I feel okay. I do feel okay. I just feel a lot of guilt to be honest with you. You know, I'm, (laughs) why I'm opening, I'm opening up my door. My wife's prepared my dinner on a tray and you know, you know, you know, she should be putting her feet up really. I should be the one doing all that stuff. So it is what it is. I'll keep checking. As soon as I'm negative, I'll I'll be back to you know back to my normal duties, I suppose. But did um, you have to alert anyone? Oh, yeah. You know what? <laughs> it is like contacting an ex to tell them you've got gonorrhea. That's what it feels like. <laughs> is that is that how is that is this based on experience or? or? Well, no, not based on experience, but uh, yeah. So, like the builders that we've had in the house, and you know anybody that's come to help out in any way, you know they've all had you know my band members. We had a band practice this week, and. And all that kind of thing. So I have to message them all and say, you know, I'm really sorry, but could you please do a test? And it's like, oh, man. But um, thankfully, everybody has come back negative. But, um, yeah, one of those things. One of those things. Yeah, you know what? Hopefully this thing goes away. They're, they're starting to kind of loosen up a little bit here in New York, which is which is good. Ultimately, it's just like everyone's had enough of this. And, you know, people are just – it's just, it's enough already. It's just yeah. like we got to figure something out. Yeah. Um, but no, oh, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm feeling good. I've got I've got a story to tell. I nearly oh, got scammed. I nearly got scammed this week as well. Oh jeez. And I normally pride myself on being able to tell, you know, you know, family members and so on. I say, keep away. That's a scam. Keep away, you know. But um, we've I've been looking at like getting another car, like a, like an old van kind of thing here, um, just because you know when I go to band rehearsals or you know wherever I'm doing, or, you know, taking stuff to be shipped and that, you know, in the car, it's not always enough room. So just like a shitty old thing that I can just, you know, a beat up thing that I can just take and throw stuff in the back of. So I was on Facebook Marketplace just looking to see what's around locally. And there was this van and it was like, okay, it was shit. It was cheap. Perfect. Perfect. So this was maybe about three weeks ago. So I contacted them, um, got a response immediately. And it was, there, were, there were signs really. Um, telling me maybe this isn't quite right. It was um, so it was in like one of those local groups, you know, your, your village group where people sell stuff. And um, so I was like, okay, contact them. Um, and it said, you know, you couldn't comment on the post. It just had a, a a phone number saying, please message me on this number. So I was like, okay, it's so on message. So the reply I got back was, and this was about three weeks ago, saying, do you know sign language? And I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what? She, and the the lady re- who responded, I mean, her profile on Facebook was like an older lady and, you know, it all looked legit. Um, and she said, well, well, I'm, I'm deaf. Um, um, so, you know, it, it, when, we need, when we need to contact, you know, I'm just wondering. I said, well, I said, no, but I don't speak French either. So, you know, it makes no difference. <laughs> so, you know, I generally, I'll use my phone as a translator and, and that kind of, you know, type in. I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, she said, well, could you come and see it today? And I was like, oh, I can't today. And the next day, I get a message from her saying, I'm sorry, the car's gone. I'm like, oh, okay, no, no, big, no big problem. Right. And that was three weeks ago. Um, and then it came to, what was it? I tell you what, let, this is a long, long story. No, could you just come on? Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln. Dot com. Things are heating up. So actually, but just before I go back, go to Soul Ceramics. Go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat 
which will take you to Soul Ceramics, where you'll get $75 off your kiln and free shipping in the U.S. I'm invested back, in the story. Back to the story. Go ahead. So French, 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 uh, she's so old it's gone. She's, she's messaged me. It's gone. And okay, so I hear nothing else. Then two days ago, so this was, you know, three weeks after, right. um, I get a message saying they didn't come to collect the car. It's still available. I'm like, woohoo, great, great. Um, so she's saying, well, can I come to you with the car? I'm like, well, that's a bit strange. Um, but, it, you know, she came up with this whole story that she actually works in the deaf center, which is in the next village over, but she lives close to me so she can, she can pop home and get the car and, you know, meet me somewhere. So I'm like, oh, okay, that sort of works. Um, and I'm like, okay, we'll meet, we'll meet at three o'clock outside the castle. There's a big castle here in the village. So we'll, we'll meet, that's like the meeting point. We'll meet there. Um, I then get a message saying, um, I'm a little bit worried to take any cash and, um, you know, get back to work with the cash. Could you buy these vouchers? Like, oh, for fuck's like sake. In, in, like in the local, sh- you know, the local shop, the tobacconist, they sell these like vouchers that you can then exchange for cash. And that. I'm like, seems weird. This seems really weird. Um, so I'm like, well, no, I said, you know, if, you know, if I see the car and I like it, you know, if you prefer the vouchers, I'll get you the vouchers then, but I haven't seen the car or anything like that. She said, well, no, it's fine. She said, but I don't want to be ripped off. Could you buy these vouchers and just send me a photo of these vouchers so I know that you're serious? And I'm like, what? Yeah, can you, can you just use the vouchers without having them? Can you like just use the serial numbers and... (sighs) Well, I don't – I mean, it, it, this got to the point where she sent me a picture of the vouchers. She said, I, I sold a scooter recently, a dis, dis, disabled scooter, you know, the ride-on disabled scooter. She loves disabled. She, Exa- everything's exact, disabled with her. Exactly. Deaf, disabled. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> sold she said, a I, – whatever. You're handicapped. I'm with you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And she said, this is the way we did it. She said, so I didn't have to have cash and I felt safer. So she sent me the pictures of the vouchers that she received and, so, and I'm just like – this is just too weird. So in the end, I was just like, look, I'm, I'm not going to see the car. I'm not, you know, I won't buy it. And, you know, until I see the car, then I'll give you cash or whatever. And, um, yeah, it turned out it was just this huge scam. So uh, the way I found out then was the, the picture that they used on Facebook, I did like a, a Google image search with the image. You know, you can upload the image and it'll tell you if you see it anywhere else. And they've used the same story and that same picture in like thousands of like local Facebook groups. Of people selling something, and it's always the same thing: an elderly lady, um, health's taking a bad turn, she needs to get rid of the car. Um, she's deaf, so you can't speak to her on the phone, so it all needs to be via text. And it's like it's such a clever scam because you're never going to want to sort of call them out on it and say, "Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean?" Ricky Gervais shit, yeah, exactly, <laughs> because they, you know, because they, they, they got this disability as well, yeah. and you feel a bit sorry for them. Yeah, and it, I was honestly, I was very, very close to being scammed, and it was just like. So I, I guess I wonder how the pictures of the vouchers. I mean, I would think that actually, you know, it's interesting enough. Is you know, you and I were texting back and forth about NFTs, and I wonder if. If this is something that could be avoided with something like similar to an NFT, because in my mind I'm thinking, if you send pictures of the vouchers, does that does that equal them being able to use the vouchers? Is this the only good use for NFTs when you're buying well, a, a shitty old car from a deaf disabled well, old lady? <laughs> well, it, no, but it's interesting because it's about authentic. You know, the the whole idea of an NFT is it's the, it's the, it's a, it's 
people are so, of that. people are so stupid about how they listen and read and understand. It isn't just about a fucking monkey picture. It's about it's about like authenticating an object. It's authenticating an image that, that means it's one thing as opposed to a non fungible token uh, means it's unable to be re- replicated. A well, fungible. No, it is. No, it is. It is. It's, it's. I mean, in this particular case with the monkeys, it's a digital image. You can replicate it exactly the same. There's no. Anyway, that's another story. That's another. Well, I'm story. just saying that, like, if you had pictures of the of the, if you had pictures of the vouchers, if they take a screen cap of the pictures of the vouchers, is that the same thing as having the vouchers? Possibly, possibly. My thinking was that was just the beginning of the scam, right? So it would be a case of if I change the you know this fifteen hundred quid into or euros rather into vouchers, it would be then be I've got these vouchers. What am I going to do with them? She'd be like, oh well, if you give me the vouchers first, and I'll be like, well, well no. But you know, I've already spent that money. You know, they're useless to me. So I'd, I'd go along with whatever the next part of the scam was, just because oh, I'm stuck in this now. You know, I've got these which are worthless to me. So you know anyway, what, you know what would have been good if you Facetimed with her and then tried to. Or show, if I oh, just of said, course, I know. Of course, I know sign language. Exactly. That's let's what I was fucking. Thinking. <laughs> let's that's fucking what do I it. I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> let's fucking talk. Let's talk Facetime. Perfect. Oh, I yeah. don't have it. Yeah. Oh, that but sucks, yeah, dude. I, yeah, I was th- I was so close, and I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Speaking of s- scams, everyone's getting all their everyone's uh, get that two pers- that two authentic uh, that two verification authenticity on your on your Instagram. Poor Lynn Ray, one of the great knife makers of our day, has gotten scammed, and it's oh, he, he, one. he got ho- he got total. Lynn Ray used to be I don't know what his old Instagram handle is, but his new Instagram handle is Lynn underscore Ray R. H E A underscore knife maker. Somebody he wrote. I, I'm friendly with him. Facebook. He wrote a thing on Facebook saying my my Instagram got hacked, and he had a lot of followers. He was really, you know, he's really great follow and amazing blacksmith and bladesmith. And he just got he just got hacked. There's tons of people are getting hacked. I'm getting these messages from people who are like trying to get me to buy Bitcoin, and I'm like, oh brother, you've been hacked, and I have to like mm. block that shit. Yeah, it's not good. I've seen it a lot, and. Um... Yeah, it's it's worrying. Um, but also, if you've got the, the two-factor authentication, if if you lose your phone or you get a new number, make sure you change that quickly because um, you might get in the bother that I had. But I, even though I had two-factor auth, I couldn't auth it myself, and it, it just got really messy. So, yeah. Oh. Ugh, dude. Should we talk about knives? If you want. No, not really. <laughs> we can talk whatever you want. You're not feeling well. I want to. I mean, you want to talk about more, you know, crippled people <laughs> trying to do scams is fine by me. I tell you, we'll talk about my new midnight ritual just after this. Oh, Jesus Combat Christ. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. Um, I've, yeah, my new midnight routine, which you're well aware of. Oh, Jesus Christ, I wish I wasn't so aware. This sounds terrible already. <laughs> the DM, my DMs are already flooding. Fuck. <laughs> you started this. You started this. So, so I get a notification on my phone in the week um, about Wordsmiths, which is a um, – what's it called? WhatsApp. Yeah. A WhatsApp, yeah, I don't use WhatsApp normally, you see, which is a WhatsApp group that Jeff has created. I didn't create it. Tomer created it. Tomer, oh, right, okay. Tomer created it. So it's Jeff, Tomer, and myself in this, in this WhatsApp group. 
And the idea is we're using it for our Wordle. So when we get our results in Wordle, we share it to here so we can sort of mock each other and have a winner each day. Um, I get quite competitive. Yes, and you do. this turned last night into a speed Wordle. Um, so I, myself and Tom would have been staying awake till midnight each night so we can do it as quick as possible. So we're now racing to get, to get our score in, you know, at so many minutes past midnight. Um, but obviously Jeff there in the US, he's what, seven, nine hours or behind or whatever. Yeah. So we, ha- we, yeah, so it's, it's, it's become, um, a fun part of my day, should we say. It is fun. Tomer's yeah. quite a shit talker, isn't he? He really is, and he's not very good at Wordle either. So I don't, know, I don't know where he's come coming on. from. Come on, <laughs> come on, that's funny. Yeah, he's the man. He's the man. But oh, speaking of which, got a lot of great responses about you creating Sharple. Sharple is the is a uh, is the new Wordle for knife makers. A lot of knife makers are doing it. There Wait. is, and I I get to see the stats every day. So yeah, I get to see that, and I also get to see some of the um, attempts. I don't know who are making these attempts, but I get to see the words that are people are putting in. And what's like, the funniest yeah. one? <laughs> Just some of the spelling on words. Um, I can't think of any offhand now. You said hammer. H a m a. H a m m a. And that's that's come up a few times in people. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, but people guys. are enjoying it, so that's good. Is there? Good. You might have to figure out a better link because people are like sending me messages. I can't get there, and I really want to play. So there, there might need okay. to be a better link. Knifetalk.net forward slash Sharple. I'll, I'll forward that as soon as I finish this show. So if you go to knifetalk.net forward slash Sharple, um, Sharp with a um, no, yeah, yeah, with an L E on the end, Sharple. Yes, yeah. and um, yeah. Go crazy! I'm I'm literally running out of um, five letter words that are to do with knife making. All right, um, I'll well, I'll help you. I'll, yeah, I'll I've got a list of probably about thirty words. Oh well, then you get, you're good for a little bit. Yeah, I'll, good I'll for a month. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If anybody has any? Um, send them to Knife Talk. We we oh. have some uh, listener feedback before we talk about uh, knives. Knives. <laughs> if <laughs> Let's you want. do it. Okay. Um, well, somebody actually, somebody sent us a new bit that I'm going to say afterwards, but um, Muchi Damascus Blades says, Hi there, I was listening to the latest episode and a listener was asking about losing the grip on a hammer handle. I found that one of my hammers has had, uh, that has had some rasp marks was giving me blisters, so I definitely, uh, you want a smooth handle. Here in Florida, humidity is an issue, so the sweat slipperiness, I tried to use my climbing chalk. Um, I keep a oh. chalk bag. Uh, on a belt loop on my jeans, and that's a game changer. Thanks for the show. Love the comedy you guys create, and a huge help to while working in the loneliness of the shop. Um, and then there was another chalk. one. Nice. So knife, I guess chalk. Uh, ch- I, 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 well, I'll read the next one. So Tomboy, Tomboy wrote, sorry, this is a, you know what you should do as a reaction to your listener who wants to know whether he should put jimping or checkering on his hammer handle for grip. I personally put cloth bike tape on the business end of my hammer. Uh, handle so to loose so I can loosen my grip and still successfully hold on to the hammer. I've noticed significant reduction in fatigue since adding it. Uh, New Bombs makes black cloth tape to be specific. Works great on maintaining grip while your hands get sweaty and no blisters. Plus, looks classy. Um, yeah, last week somebody was saying that they were having problems and wondering to know if we should put checkering on forging hammers. My opinion is is your hands need to get those blisters because you do need calluses. And what happens is is as you don't forge very often, if you don't forge for a while and then you forge for a while, 
you're gonna you're gonna have more hand pain. Um, I think that what happens is you have to kind of work on your calluses and. I just want, when I, before I, I'm going to teach a class at Dragons with Forge at the end of March and then a class at Center for Mental Arts. And I will be the two weeks before I'll forge every single day. So I kind of like get back my, you know, callousy yeah, hands because yeah. it is, it's, there's no like, there's no easy, fast solution. A lot of it is, you know, just doing your thing um, and just trying to kind of like maintain. You know, it's like a muscle kind of like you want to keep those calluses. Yeah. And then this is actually great. This is our, this is going to be our next new bit. Uh, it comes from Nice Handmade Knives. He says, "Here's a new segment idea: most bizarre custom requests." Um, I had someone ask me if they could make a knife for him using a human femur bone he found in an oh. abandoned asylum for the handle. Needless oh, to say, I said Jesus. no. Needless to say, I said no. I don't. That sounds like you, the same person tried to sell you that. <laughs> the person, the deaf person, come get my femur out of this asylum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have time for for any curses or ghosts in the shop. As always, thanks for putting together, putting on the second best knife show out there. Obviously, Forge and Fire is the gold standard. Only kidding, <laughs> only kidding. Love you guys. So next week, what we'll do is I'll ask the the uh, the listeners for their most bizarre custom requests. I think that'll mm. be a fun little bit. So, yeah, there you cool. go. That'll work. Shall we do some questions sure. from the filthy public? Okay. Aggressive Metalworks contacted us on um, Instagram. Uh, they DM'd at Knife Talk Podcast, and they've come up with, Hey, guys, I'm a little bit behind at the moment, but I'm coming from the New Products and Pictures with Bob episode, and he's one hour and 20 minutes in. Uh, Jeff starts talking about why, as makers, we do what we do. We do this because we love it and because uh, we all of us as makers have this need for approval from someone. It might be your childhood and we need a physical act or physical representation that we're not human garbage. That's it. We just don't want to be human garbage. That's why we do this. That's what I I said. That's a quote from you. That's what she said. I think something really important was touched on here. Uh, This might be some borderline Dr. Phil or even full blast in-depth juju here. But I think it would be an interesting topic. Why do we do what we do? Just a random thought. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate all of you. And that's Mike Cataldo. Speaking uh, of which, I've known Mike for years. I knew Mike back in the day when I was at the Center for Metal Arts, and he used to take all the Uri Hoffi classes. Mike is a fucking good dude, and he's in Albany, New York, and I've known him for quite a while. Cool. Great guy. Why we do what we do. I've been given this a lot of thought myself recently. Um I talk about it a lot, but you know, I recently started a band and that kind of thing. And I was thinking, why do, why do I do this? And I'm thinking, why do I do you know the knife making, all those kind of things? And I think it's like any creative endeavor where you just want to show off. I think you want people to see what you're capable of. Or certainly, in in for me anyway. Um, and without doing, as he says, the whole Doctor Phil or full blast in depth stuff. Um, I was I'm one of four kids. Um, I was the youngest until I was 16, and then I had a, a younger brother when I, when I was 16. Um, so until then, I was sort of, you know, the, the baby of the family. Um, and my sister is very, very talented. My older brother was very sort of sporty. Um, and I never, uh, growing up, I never, gosh, it's getting deep. Growing Go ahead, up, I'm listening. Um, I never really sort of excelled at anything. I was, I was, um, I mixed with sort of everybody 
and I was yeah n- not brilliant at anything but I could try my hand at everything if that makes any sense yes um so then I think there's been a few things that you know when I get into it I get you know a million percent into it and then maybe it's just I need to show people what I'm capable of maybe that's what it is I don't know well how but many yeah, I'd be give, how many brothers and sisters do you have I have two brothers and a sister but I said until I was 16 I was one of three then I was the youngest but then my parents had another baby when I was 16 so so I mean, quite, a, quite a weird sort of setup. You're trying to stand out. I mean, that's what I would exactly. think. Exactly. I think that's maybe what your... it was. Yeah. My brother obviously stood out because um, his sort of sport and accolades. Um, my sister, you know, very, very intelligent. Um, and I was just the no- I was just normal, normal kid. Um, but what I did do, I, I particularly like through school, um, I sort of mixed with every group. You know, I could get on with everybody. Right. You know, I wasn't the sporty kid. I wasn't, you know, the you know the funny kid. I wasn't the good-looking kid. But I could mix in each of those circles, sort of on the fringes, quite happily. You know, so maybe that's what it is. So why do you think? So bring let's bring it. Make sure that people say this is knife talk and not full blast podcast. How do you <laughs> how do you relate that to the knife making? I think the same thing. Um, none of my friends do this. Um, I, you know, learning knives is something that I basically did in, you know, in my own time. You know, I, where I live, there, I say there aren't any knife makers. There are actually, and it's, it's actually quite a famous place for knife making, but, you know, I don't sort of mix with those people, if you like. Um, so, you know, in my family and in my friend group, nobody else was doing it. And, you know, when I started making knives, you know, shitty, shitty knives, the first ones, everybody's really impressed because they're like, oh, wow, you made that. I was like, yeah. So, you know, I it think, is intoxicating. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what any sort of any creative endeavor you want. You want to show off. I'm sure that's what it's all about. Well, it's interesting because I've thought about this a lot. Um, thought about this particular question a lot. Can, and, and, you know, I think a lot about, you know, the people I'm talking to on Full Blast. And I think I recently just talked to uh, Joe Maynard who was a Black Hawk helicopter pilot, and he found, you know, he kind of redeemed himself and found his he own... He found a hole in the bottom of the helicopter, and he took a shit out of it. That's what he did. I heard it all. <laughs> he, said, he didn't say he did. He didn't say I he know, did. Yeah. He said somebody a did. friend. Yeah, writer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the funny part about the, that episode was? All these people are trying to, like, you know, tell me, gotta find out the, you know, the what who did he kill, and what did he shoot, and talk about the airplane, and all I want to know... Where you could take a leak on a Black Hawk helicopter. That was legitimately the only thing I cared about. If you're in the air on a helicopter for 10 hours, where do you pee? That's all I cared about. I didn't care. What the hell? I don't know. I even just recently just said in the last two sentences that I called it an airplane. I don't know anything. But it's interesting because I thought about this because I think knife making is interesting. And I, I kind of also want people to stop separating themselves out as being sculptors or artists and knife makers. And I, I, I kind of have an idea of why people like the knife making because it's something, as I've said before, it's a physical manifestation of, of t- technique and materials and your learning and patience and having some discipline to not just go crazy and to have like, you know, clean this and clean that and stuff like that. But the knife making in and of itself is interesting because it's a, there's a standard, it's not like sculpture. You could go make sculpture and then you could talk your way around 
a critique and explain the reasons why you do something. And that's why people hate art. People hate art. I think that people yeah. hate art because we've allowed art to be subjective. And I don't think people like subjective. People hate subjective. People want to be told what's what's it about like i have friends well, who are, like, like sculpt what's the function in, in sculpture i've heard that i've heard everything or, or is it supposed to be beautiful or is it supposed to be they don't like the nebulous part of what art is and the subjectivity of it is mm. and you can you know there's a lot of horse shit involved bullshit but knife making is great because there's a there's a standard because it's not just the fit and finish and the shape and the lines and the you know the golden proportions and the, but it's also well that's not going to fit in your hand or yeah. that's going to hurt when you put it in a different position or you're never going to be able to do that with that so there is this like there's almost a standard and then you're able to make something within the confines of a craft where you can have a degree of you know uh, acceptance. And I think that that's what—that's the difference between people who want to be sculptors or artists, and people who want to be craftsmen are—is they're looking for a degree of, as Mareko said last week, validation, but from people in that community. You know, a lot of artists don't give a shit what other artists think because it's like I'm on my own journey, and I want you to—I want your attention to what I'm saying. When you're a knife maker. This is what I'm making, and then you can you don't need there there no there doesn't need to be a lot of talking, you know. So I, I think it's fascinating. I think that there is one of the things that's interesting about a lot of knife makers is they're looking for this weird legacy. They're looking for things to be passed on because they believe that you know this is going to last your generations, and that's what's more interesting to me because in my mind I think to myself. Why does your object have to be passed along generations? And who gives a shit if it lasts longer than your life or your generation or it gets passed down or not? Why do you feel that that's, that's your uh, creation of a physical object is so important that it needs to be justified through generations upon generations? But that's another story. So yeah. there you go, Mike. There's a certain sort of romanticism about that, isn't there? Well, it's, yeah. it's, 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 also, it's also justifying your actions over time. Like you, what you've done is, is you've made something that's important. Not only is it important now, but it's going to be important in the future. So you need to listen to what I'm saying down the line. It's like it's, like, it's a little bit yeah, like, yeah. all right, easy, Junior. Listen, I have a lot of stuff that was passed down to me that have been, you know, that's in boxes in the <laughs> in storage, and yeah. it's just the way it is. You know, it's like you know, it's not that important is what I'm saying. So there we go. It's a good question. I'm, I'm sure it's got everybody thinking as well, that one. So, <clears throat> well, Mike. It's nice to, it is nice to be able to say that, I mean, especially something that you've never done before, or a, most people, which I refer to as soft-handed people who can't do anything, are amazed. And, you know, you have customers, and we all have customers who are just, they, they talk about us like we're magicians. But that's just because they don't know how to hit a nail on it with a hammer or turn a screw. You know, there's a lot of people who just cannot understand the physical creation of things. And when you do find someone who does it at such a high level, it is it is like black magic, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. One question okay. down, an hour and 20 minutes to go. I know. Wow. <laughs> we got I tell stuff, you, I'm going to tell everybody stuff. about Dharma Steel because um, I've seen some beautiful stuff this week, actually, um, that people have posted made with Dharma Steel. 
Um, if you don't know, it's 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 a stainless Damascus, which is beautiful, beautiful, a, a layered steel, should we say? But they make these beautiful, beautiful patterns. Um, go take a look, darmsteel.se, and they are Darmsteel Lab on Instagram. Um, and if you want ten percent off, just register on the site, um, and when you go to check out, put in Knife Talk, and you get ten percent off your Darmsteel. Or you can send pictures of your vouchers. Also, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, in sign language, please. In sign language. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the more I think back, I was like, "Who's obviously a fucking scam?" <laughs> are you? Are you? But it's you, a good deal. It's a good deal. Are you concerned? Are you concerned? That's the worst part about getting scammed is you kind of think back to like yeah. these moments where you should have caught it, and you're just like, "Oh God, I was so stupid." Uh, yeah. <laughs> but sign it was language. the fact that they came back to me weeks later, <laughs> and the, and it was that the, that sort of trust that was built then that yeah. was they built upon, and um and then there was the whole you know disabled element of it, and you know it explained why I couldn't phone and all these things. See, but, um, I would think the Nigerian prince needs money is is a much less work <laughs> than the fucking sign language van woman. Yeah. Sign language van woman seems like it's an awful lot of work. Oh. I mean, but it got me. I watched. We'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about this in the after show. The Tinder sw- Tinder swindler. Oh no, I heard about that, but I don't know about it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. Oh, but uh, God, it's, it's so a very similar story. <laughs> People are such, Tinder swindled. That's nearly. the problem with the internet. The internet is so great because we're cutting out the middlemen. Every yeah. new part of like these internet companies is cutting out the middleman you're cutting youtube you're your own tv show podcasting you're your own radio show now bitcoin you don't have to deal with these fucking banks anymore and all these things are you're cutting out the middleman and now scam artists are cutting out they're they're just cutting out the middleman and getting going straight to your wallet straight to us yeah oh yeah (sighs) Nav is the next question. Would you like to take that one? Uh, holy shit, I just lost. I lost it. Uh, yes, Nav says, although I guess I just thought of a dumb question that's really not related to the knife making side. <laughs> if you got, sorry, if you guys could get a knife from any maker, who would it be? Why and how long before Craig flipped it for profit? <laughs> <laughs> You have, I'm getting a reputation. Your reputation sucks. Your <laughs> reputation sucks with the listeners. <laughs> it's always, it's always like, what? How much did money bags want? Yeah, Craig would sell immediately. It's generally it always comes down to that. Um, a knife from any from any maker. Who would it be? Um, Not including the, the host of the show. Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it easy, so you don't have to feel yeah. the need because. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, I think I'm over that. To be honest with you. Um, really? They they probably used to be a long list. Um, but now, you know, I've got a few knives from other makers that I re- you know I really respect. Um, and I've I've got too many knives to begin <laughs> to begin with. Um. I don't know, Don's, maybe one of Don's I'd like, because I think Don his, his shapes are really sharp, if you pardon the pun. But, you know, his finish is really sharp and, and clean. Um, maybe Don's. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm over sort of less than over other people's knives now. It's more a case when I look at knives, I'm, I'm more sort of looking at them and thinking, oh, well, that's that's nice, that's cool, that's you know, and that kind of thing. That, what about you, Jeff? Well, that, any, rem- any... that reminds me what you said. I have too many knives. I, there's a story that I'll be vague. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't think this person listens to the podcast anymore anyway. But there's a guy who's got a lot of knives. And, uh, you know, it, it, I've seen him cook. 
and it's nothing to write home about. And he wrote me a message about if he should buy a knife or not. And I said, you know, you got a lot of knives. Maybe you should learn to cook. <laughs> it made me feel so good. Listening? It made me feel so good because it was just like, yeah, you got a lot of knives. I've seen your cooking. Maybe you should work on the cooking first. I don't think you need any more knives. The knives aren't going to make you a better cook. Trust me. Yeah. It's not the tools. Yeah. It was such a dis- it was such a dismissive thing to say. Yeah, you don't need any more knives. You just are, you need to learn to cook. I would. It's easy for me. Nick Anger is my guy. I, I think that. When you talk about that, that the it would be Nick Anger or Lynn Ray because those two those two are fascinating to me because I feel that Nick has transformed closer to being sculpture like m- contemporary sculpture not like you know we talk about art knives and people do these you know these master bladesmiths doing these you know, incredibly amazing ornate knives and they're beautiful and they have these embellishments and stuff like that. What Nick does is he's really kind of like there's there's some there's you can see a lot of spontaneity in his work. He's kind of created these bolsters that are very just everything he does to me is like it's so the closest person to being a contemporary sculptor. So I like mm-hmm. Nick very much. He and I are supposed to do we're we're talking about doing a collaboration. He wants to do a color lab handle with a knife. We'll see what happens with that. I'm I'm looking I I hate collaborations, but he sent me a message and I'm just like, yeah, I this is the one person that I would never say no to. So mm-hmm. and then Lynn Ray in regards to being I think that Lynn Ray, I'm gonna get on the podcast on full blast sooner rather than later, probably sometime in March. He has changed, he's created, the. he is the blacksmith's bladesmith. I talk to a lot of blacksmiths who, you know, most blacksmiths, like who do straight blacksmithing, they can forge a knife quite easily. And it's not as, because they understand, you know, the forging process in a different level than knife makers do. Knife makers are really good, really good after the forging. But like what Lin Ray has done is he's, He's figured out a way to innovate knife making and blacksmithing and bladesmithing from a blacksmith's point of view. And I think that what he does is extraordinary. So two of them, uh, Lynn Ray and Nick Anger are my, or would be my guys. There we go. Nice. Ni- Knives by Nuge, I think is yeah. from. Um, at what point do you pony up and start paying taxes to Uncle Sam? Right now, I'm just a part-time knife maker, but I'm taking steps to increase production. Okay, so he's not, he's not full-time. This isn't a, sort of a full business for him. So he's wondering when he needs to sort of become a registered business and yeah. start you know, paying his taxes, that kind of thing. Um, I think tax laws in the U.S. are probably quite different to uh, what they are over here. Um, because basically any income, um, certainly over here, you, you need to pay tax on any of it because it's, uh, you know, you're taxed on income no matter you know, where it's coming from. Um, you know, but when to take it seriously and have a you know a legit business? Um, I, I'd say the earlier the better, yeah. Because you're making it easier on yourself because you you know you're you're doing that you can do small numbers and that kind of thing. Make it simple, and then it'll grow with you. Because there's a lot of sort of experience and extra, um, not experience, but extra skills that you need. You know, making making knives the way we do. It's not just making knives. You need to be an accountant. You need to have all these different skills. And I think if you start from the beginning, it's easier because those that skill set will grow with you as, as the demand grows, maybe. Unless you want to get into the voucher game. 
<laughs> yeah. you, tax free vouchers you can do the, the get in the voucher game have people buy your knives with bass pro shop gift cards and you don't have to worry about a thing okay you know that's the problem i actually talked to someone somebody sent me a message uh fader knives asking me about getting liability insurance and what you do and they're, they're the hardest part about being a creative person. This is the reason why artists are, are get involved in the pimp mentality. And the pimp mentality is the dealers and the, uh, the brokers and the people who are representing in the management. These are the pimps. And it's because they say that you, you always hear, or I used to hear, you're a creative person. You should be focusing on your creativity, not the business end. And that's how these fucking people get taken advantage of. Either you have to find someone you trust who can help you with all this or you really need to get it going early because the last thing you want to do is like make the mess with your finances and then just have to clean up a shit ton. It's just not worth it. And the sooner the better to just bite the bullet and and just kind of establish yourself. It's going to make it a lot easier as opposed to, you know, and then all of a sudden you can start to deduct stuff like – when you buy equipment, when you buy, when you buy, or your rent, or your once you start to establish yourself as a business and you're paying taxes, you can also make a lot of deductions, and mm. that offsets the the income tax you have to pay. So it sucks, and it's like this, but this is life, and yeah. the earlier the better. I think by the very nature of what we do, we, we've all sort of opted out of the normal sort of right, you know nine to five and you know your employer will sort out the tax side of things for you all that kind of thing um so a lot, i think a lot of people think they're sort of the punks and the rebels they're going to do things differently but there's certain things that you, you can't yeah. at the end of the day we only pay our taxes you know you have to pretend you're a deaf whole french lady with hinds sign uh, yeah. language and get vouchers selling vans on facebook yeah that's what it's all at it sucks <laughs> man i i tell you what it's a drag and this guy who asked for liability insurance because he wanted to be in a farm, you know, some if you want to do events, if you want to do farmers markets, or if you want to get involved with those, they ask for liability insurance. And the hard part is because you say that you're a knife maker, if you talk the way you normally talk, these insurance companies will walk because the insurance company is a business. They're not they're not obligated to give you insurance. If they think that you're too much of a risk, they're going to tell you to fucking kick rocks. So what yeah. you need to do is you need to also figure out, well, let's just not say I'm making zombie killers or let's just not say the name of my company is uh, Slay Humanity Knives. <laughs> you know, you want to just also be a little bit like it's fun to be cool and stuff like that, but you might want to really consider how your approach is because I had a conversation with the insurance company when I had my first, my interns. And the insurance company were like, they're so stupid. They're as stupid as everybody else. We think that authority is smarter than us, but they're just as stupid as we are. And the woman thought we were like walking around with sharp knives all the time. And I had to explain the knives aren't sharp until I'm about to send them off. And the knives aren't going to be the problem. I mean, if getting hurt from a knife is going to be the last thing you're going to get hurt from. It's going to be, you know, the grinders and this and that. So you have to like learn how to navigate how to work through these things. And it sucks. It sucks. So I also, Craig, I also have uh, questions from last week. I also have tough dilemmas. I have uh, questions that you should never ask a knife maker. Part two. We have a lot okay. to cover, dude. We have Super Bowl okay, predictions well, from the listeners. We got Valentine's Day's on Monday. It's a lot of geez, yeah. got tons. Of, we Jeez. got your headlines, head to head headlines. <laughs> Jesus, not enough show, not enough, too much content. We got too much content. 
Too much. Tell everybody about your grinder, and I'll work out what we'll do next. Well, you know what I use is a Broadback Ironworks 2x72 grinder. Those guys, Vince and Ryan, are awesome. And they're making their knife makers. Both are Forge and Fire competitors. They make their own knives. Dreamer Forge and Night Owl Forge. These guys make their own knives. And they made a beautiful 2x72 grinder that is affordable. It is. It gives you a lot of bang for your buck. It goes horizontally, vertically. It's got tons of different attachments. Their attachments are very intuitive. The attachments also work with other grinders, which is great. Surface grinders and platen grinders and uh, uh, surface grinders and uh, different uh, bigger platens and the deep platen, the, the Mareco's deep platen and the, you know, all sorts of great stuff. So if you go to broadbeckironworks.com, uh, you put in promo code Knife Talk. It will upgrade you to the Mareco Platin, which is incredibly good deep platin because it helps you when you're, you know, if you're grinding your your handles and you know one side of the knife you're turning in, but maybe you can't do it the same way because the uh, the the throat is too narrow. Giggle, send your giggles here, and it's definitely worth it. So go to um, broadbackironworks.com, put in promo code Knife Talk. Because they already discounted everything, and then get yourself that Mareco Platin with the discount with the promo code full uh, knife talk, whatever the fuck. Oh, sorry guys, that was I'm, it's early in the morning. On a, you know, <laughs> let's let's do a, a dilemma. Okay, this actually is a good dilemma. This one comes from the good old Dark State Forge. Dark State Forge, Jason's the man. Uh, he's a he's a he's in Massachusetts. A great guy. My heart is with the Bengals. This is the first, the first, uh, also the first football prediction. Is his heart is with the Bengals? Uh, more importantly, I feel like I have a legit dilemma for knife talk. I can, I definitely can admit to not having good knife skills, but every time I'm chopping on my board, I've got vegetables rolling and falling all over the place. Worse off on the floor. Not just round veggies, but everything else. What gives? Am I just the worst human at this, uh, or does everyone else do it? Uh, or should I just give in? I think that knife skills, cooking knife skills, are very important for knife makers. Yeah. What do yeah. you think? No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You need to be using your own stuff um, and, and other people's stuff as well to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, but, but, okay, you're struggling to chop. I'd say start at the very beginning. Get a, a good board. Um, put a cloth down on the counter before your board. Hot so tip. You, so you, so your board goes on top of a cloth, then on the counter. That will stop any sort of any movement on the board. Um, and it's, unfortunately, I think it's just practice. Get a big bag of carrots. That'll be dirt, dirt cheap. Big bag of onions, dirt, dirt cheap. And just yeah, just crank away. One thing when I, at culinary school is when they're what they do is they try to they want you to not work with round stuff. So like when you're mm. cu- with the exception of scallions. So when you're cutting things, you're not cutting them round. You're actually turning them into uh, rectangles. So yeah. like you take off like a make a flat spot, and then you're you know you're breaking down a carrot, you're breaking down in two pieces, and then you're kind of like slowly turning into a rectangle, and then you're breaking it down to make the juliennes or whatever you want, or you know your dice and stuff like that. So I think that the 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 dish towel trick is the is the move. A lot of people they futz around with uh, a wet uh, chopping board on their counter. If you take a like like Craig said, or you could take even a wet piece of uh, paper towel, and that'll prevent it from cutting. And then 
I think the most important thing that I take away from is it's if you're making culinary knives, I believe that you should enjoy cooking. And if you enjoy cooking or make yourself enjoy cooking, you'll you will ultimately make better knives. And that's so critical to your journey as a knife maker. And I'm not saying you have to be Alain Ducasse or you have to be one of these like, you know, tweezer people. I'm saying you have to enjoy making food. And when you enjoy making food and you forget about your tools and you think about, you don't think about cutting itself, but like make preparing and then you're, you're effortless with the knife and you don't even think about using the knife you will be a better cook and then you will also be a better knife maker. I think that this yeah. is the biggest problem. I, I got to tell you, I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it. This fucking paper towel, cutting paper towel holders and, and doing all these cut tests and these, this bullshit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is, is if you like the knife, it's a good knife. If it works for you, it's a good knife. Cutting paper towels, we're not having paper towels for dinner, okay? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there are some knives where I don't even know why I like them. But, you know, I'll get my knives out, and there's some that I'll just instinctively reach for. And I'm trying to break down in my mind, you know, sometimes, like, why have I chosen this one? And I just think maybe it's slightly more comfortable in the hand than others or not. I, I don't know. But some I just sort of gravitate towards. Um, and that's what I'm sort of trying to replicate, you know. <laughs> I, want, I want my knives to be that knife for people. So, yeah, it's, you need to be using knives, both your own and other people's knives, to find out what works and what doesn't. We're being influenced by people in the community to tell you what they think you need. And unfortunately, they're leading you down a road of unnecessariness. And I think that there, it is completely true. There are some people who prefer heavy knives. There are some people who prefer light knives. And it's, it's based on what they're used to and based on what they're comfortable with. But the most important thing is for you as a growing person to not make what people, other people think they want you to make or make something that's eye-catching or make something that you think will be good, but actually grow within the confines of your work. Now, with that said, I have some, I have some beaters that I made, and one of them is something I made a couple of years ago that I will reintroduce into fader knives next year just because i like it so much like i'm using it every day and i have knives from 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 you and i have knives from tomer and and fingal and i that what you did say is actually interesting and something i want to bring up at some point was i during a pan, panty i bought a pile of knives from a lot of friends of mine just to be supportive and i'm thrilled i love them all and from Steve and from Quentin and from Jared and from, I mean, you know, like, you know, doghouse. And I have a pile of great knives from a lot of friends of mine and I was using them and it did, it didn't influence my, my knives, but it just made me think of what I like and what I don't like. And now as a, as making hammers, I have a shit ton of hammers from a lot of mostly friends of mine. Actually it's friends of mine. And I use them all, and now that same concept that I was with my culinary knives is now influencing me with, I'm making, I'm finishing, I'm going to be making my own hammers just for me. I'm not planning on being a hammer maker. I'm not planning on selling hammers. I'm not, mm. I want to grow as a blacksmith, and I want to have my own tools that I made. And I'm finally now happy with a design for my hammer for me. And I think it's the right, same yeah. concept as the way I was collecting knives and just kind of seeing how what I like and what I don't like is the same thing with the hammers. So I'm telling you, you culinary guys, you don't have to be the best cook in the earth. You don't have to be on Chopped. 
but you have to like to cook. And it could be the dumbest thing of all time, but you have to understand that you like it and then you'll get better. Yeah, without a doubt. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Okay, Canadians. Any Canadians listening, put your hands up. Thank you. Would you like to get some of the best stuff shipped to you? Of course you do. Without having to pay all the taxes to get them from the States and all the rest of it? Well, if you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, um, they're a distributor of combat abrasives, for example. Uh, they sell Rhino Wet. They've got, it's a one-stop shop um, if you're a knife maker in Canada. So make sure you head over to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And I hear they have a deal. If you buy uh, 10 belts or more, you get 10% off. Why wouldn't you? And they just came out with their Rise and Grind coffee. They have their own coffee. Ah. It's Rise and Grind medium roast whole bean coffee made by a local roaster. So get yourself some of that Rise and Grind. For all your grinding supplies, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. There you are. Okay, um, where were we? Well, um, we get questions. Shall we do some things that you shouldn't say to a knife maker? Good man. You're the man. You're the man. You're the man. Uh, well, the first thing you shouldn't say to a knife maker is do you speak sign language? I guess that's the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I asked this. I'm going to start doing more of these. Asking... I did this last week, and I just... We'll just finish it off. So these are questions. This is based off of the last issue of Blade Magazine. They said things that you should never ask a knife maker, and they were pretty tame. I think that they needed a little bit more spice if you, they didn't ask enough knife makers. And so the first one is from Duclaw Knives. Thing you should things you shouldn't ask a knife maker. He says, "If I pay extra, can I help you make my knife?" That one's fucking sweet. Yeah, no, you can't come into my shop. Leave me alone. Uh, JD Custom Knives, good old Jordan Dan says, "Love the." Uh, do you have any broken ones, or is there a blemish that I can buy? <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking yeah. good one. I had a guy say that to me. He's just like, "Just give me any whatever you have lying around. It could be in like a bucket. It could be in a bucket. I'm like, what do you mean a bucket?" I have a, you think of a fucking bucket full of broken knives? <laughs> I do, funnily enough. Do you? Do you? <laughs> I do. I do. They, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff that hasn't turned out quite right, and they're just in a bucket. Yeah. But, um, no, they're not available. If anybody's asking. That that is funny. I'll take a, like a second. Um, yeah. Micah Dunn says, uh, I don't know if this counts, but uh, don't run your damn fingernail down my Damascus blade to, quote, feel the layers, and then give it the... You know what real Damascus is, question? <laughs> oh, P.S. Here's something that you should never do. Is if you pick up, if you're, a, if you're a customer and you see a knife and you ask to see it, you better know your shit before you look down the fucking spine. Don't 
look, don't fucking look down the spine of somebody's knife unless you are the fucking man. Because like people do that to people do that shit. One guy did that to me and I just about fucking killed him. Like, it's like, don't fucking look down the fucking spine of somebody's knife. Don't do it. It's fucking rude as shit. Cliff does that to me. You know what? Cliff did that to me. There's actually a picture of Cliff. And I said, I think he came into my shop and he's just like, he got one eye closed and he's looking down the spine. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, why why is it rude? Why is it rude? It's because it's like, you're just trying to, I mean, because if you're trying to make sure you're like the inspector, like if it's got a little bit of wiggle, what are you going to do about it? Or if it kicks to the side, it's, you if you got finished knives, don't look down the fucking don't look down the fucking spine if you're if you're just like a fucking dude. You better have some like response. You better know what the fuck's going on. Okay. Don't do it. Uh Wolfheart Nye Wolfheart Ironworks says number 1. Oh, my cousin's wife's second nephew's roommate forges. Do you know them? <laughs> <laughs> and then number 2 is can you make can you make it cheaper? And then uh, the last one, which is probably my favorite, which I hate more than anything else, is how's the blade coming along? Oh, God, don't fucking say that to people. Don't say, how's it coming along? Just checking in. Just just wanted to know what's going on. What's the status? Don't do that. That's fucking bad. Yeah. Tom Moss, who recently retired from the Coast Guard. Congratulations, Tom. Uh, just wrote, one is, what kind of files do you make your knives at, knives out of? And then number two is... Bastards. <laughs> there you go. And number two is, can you make that knife out of a horse file? They make the best knives. Uh, Ricardo Carrasco says, when you ask a customer, uh, when you hand the customer a knife and they ask, is it really sharp? That's not good. Uh, this is a good one from Rodney Philman. He goes, uh, can, this is this question you should never ask a knife maker. Uh, can you have this done by my significant other's birthday? It's next week. Direct metal work says a cutting one that hurts. This one gonna hurt, should hurt you all. The question that you should never ask a knife maker is, yeah, but what do you do for money? <laughs> yeah. uh, brutal. True. Cutting. <laughs> That's a fucking bad one. That's a, that hurts. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> CJ Miller says what you shouldn't say to a knife maker is, how many times did you fold the steel? That's a good one, too. They never know what they're talking about. Uh, Merkel.co says, what, uh, quote, metal is this? Uh, Berk- Berkeley Wagar says, is this a good knife? While he's showing me his Walmart bushcraft knife. <laughs> it drives me insane. And then I got a couple more. Uh, Ovenshire Knives, Steve Ovenshire, who's in the new, I think he's in Knife Making Magazine. He's Steve's awesome. Um Please don't ask me how long it will take you to make that. 30 years ago, it took me a week. Now it takes me. It might take me a day. You're paying for my knowledge and experience, not an hourly rate. I got a few more. Tell me what you want to do. Let's, I you, let's do a few questions. Okay. Uh, We've we got so many here. We can, we can sort of take them off the list if you like. Okay. Um, Chris Rosendahl. Um, what are the, some of the favorite little hidden details on knives that get your attention? Um, things like polished choils, file work, domed pins, taper tangs, that kind of That's thing. That's a good question. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Um, the underside of the tang is something that, um, you know, full tang knife, um, the underside, so where you grip, um, just making sure that is, you know, the same quality as, as, as the rest of the edge of the tang. Um, quite often I see, you know, that there's bumps and things like that in people's knives. And, um, you know, as a maker, we all know why that happens, but um, maybe some people don't. Um, so, yeah, 
the, the underside of the of a of a full tang is something I'll always look at. Um, just seeing things like you know Corby bolts, you know, seeing how, you know what sort of finish they've got on them and whether there's any bruising around there. These are all just like fine details that they, they certainly won't spoil the knife. But um, but if you're looking for you know any sort of I wouldn't even call them flaws, but things that could maybe be improved upon quite simply. These would be those sort of things. May I interject a hot take? I think most knife makers put way too much faith in a Dremel. I completely agree. I can't use a Dremel at all. Um, I've, when I've, whenever I've tried, um, it's ne- it never goes down well. Really doesn't. I tell you well. what, people get that fucking Dremel and then they get what we used to refer to as Tootsie Rolls or those drum things, and they just think this is all I need. This is all I need, and it's like Chatter City. The people have too much faith in fucking Dremels, and it isn't just the Dremel; it's the use. Actually, when I was at the Center for Metal Arts and we were having to grind down welds, we were. I was using. I was. He was. I was. They were teaching me how to use the the grinder, the the Dremel, but it wasn't like the Dremel. It was like a a die grinder, a big die grinder, mm. and you have to really kind of be better at feathering in these things, otherwise you get these mm. goddamn giant lumps, gouges, gouges yeah. and lumps. And you, I mean, grinding is. I think that if most people became fabricators, they'd be so much better at their finish because there's there's so much in grinding a well that you learn how to feather in, take off too much, and then kind of slowly, easily feather things in. People just get fucking hairy with the Dremel, and then all of a sudden it's gouge city. Yeah. And also, another hot take, if you're going to use a Dremel, don't use a Dremel. Use a different brand. Because they are shit. <laughs> I very rarely use them, but I've probably gone through four or five. They are shit. They are they shit. Just burn out. They are terrible. So if you're going to use a rotary tool, should we say, maybe don't go over a Dremel. Um, but yeah, just don't use a rotary and tool. And anyway. dear Dremel, if you're listening, which you're not, your bits are too expensive. You've got to do mm. better with, with all your fucking your consumables. And let's face it, five of the drum sanding bits belts is not enough like, don't sell me five in a package that's ridiculous fuck dremels fuck them <laughs> but i mean seriously what kind of obnoxious person said goes into a board meeting at dremel we have to talk about our sex accessories okay what should we say five drums in a, in a pack five we only need five you know people don't need more than five yeah. What are you nuts? Well, sure, these are pennies to manufacture, surely. I mean, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. Five? All I get is five? And then otherwise, if I want 20, I have to buy a whole goddamn block kit with all this nonsense I don't want? Like the little tiny yeah. buffing wheels? Get the fuck out of here, Dremel. You motherfuckers. Damn you to hell. <laughs> Damn you, Dremel. That's, that's the title for today's Damn show. You, Dremel. <laughs> Damn you, Dremel. <laughs> God. And everyone in this podcast is kind of slowly shaking their heads. Yeah, you're right. I do depend too much on this goddamn thing. I don't know what I'm doing. But they are scumbags because all we're doing is we're getting the tr- cheap drum guys, those little drum sanding bits from somebody else. You know what I'm talking about, ladies yeah. and germs. And those are oh, way you- worse. Let's give a tip then. So if people are using, let's say, a Dremel to do to polish a choil, um, what would you do? Dremel? I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, guys. Listen to me. Take your fucking platen off your grinder, and then, and then what I want you to do is I want you to use a J-Flex belt, a 400-grit J-Flex belt, and I want you to go over the bottom, 
you're you're holding the knife where the spine is facing you. You're doing the belly of the knife on the flat of a with a 400 bit 400 grit. Then I want you to go to an 800 grit, and then I want you to hand sand it because you will not get any goddamn bumps, and you will change the 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 you will change the direction easier, and you won't have any of those stupid 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 Dremel bumps. We gotta came up with the name of the Dremel bump. Those things are the dumbest, <laughs> yeah. the worst. The Dremel bump. Don't get the Dremel bump. There we go. There we go. And I tell you what, if you're going to use if you're going to use sandpaper to do that, you're going to want to use the best as well. So make sure you're using Rhino Wet to do that because it's the best stuff. It's what everybody uses. Why would you bother trying to sully your knife by using any other brand? Rhino Wet's the one to go. Made by um, made by Rhino Wet, but it's actually the red line, isn't it? That we that is the, right. uh, the one to go with. Yeah, made by Rhino Wet. You can get that at Combat Abrasives no. too. Um, Texas Ferry Supply. I'm all over Don't worry, I got you. Cool. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing sign language to you. <laughs> Texas Farrier Supply, um, they sell it. TexasFarriersupply.com. Um, they sell not just Rhino Wet, all sorts of stuff for um, knife makers, farriers, whatever you may be. Uh, go take a look. If you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off your order as well. So, And just get the 220. 220 is like the, the, it's the powerhouse of all the finishing blade sandpapers. That's what I do. So... Slack belt, uh, 400, 800, and then with 220, I'm changing the scratch progress. I'm changing the satin finish on on the underside. Easy, easy. And I'm not getting stuck with that Dremel bumps. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've just got a bunch of like wooden dowels of different thicknesses, and I'll just wrap some uh, rhino wet around that, and then just literally go up and down. You know, the the, the inside of the tang that we talked about earlier. Um, yeah, it's far better than using a Dremel. You've got full control. That's the way to go. I didn't even answer the question. We got so sidetracked on the, the our hatred <laughs> towards Dremel. <laughs> Damn you, Dremel. Damn you, Dremel. You might, they might set a cease and desist if you title it that. We, we, Quite possibly. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. So, oh, I didn't answer. My answer is, is I like the transition between the blade, the uh, Ricasso area, the flat, and the bolster. I so always like that. That's like, like my mm. favorite spot. That's my favorite spot. That's it. Uh, everything else you said is perfect. Gets him going. Okay. Where are we? Hour and ten minutes in. Let's just do a couple more questions, maybe. Okay. And um, we see where we end up. Well, there's. Uh, should we save Howie Throw? Oh, let's do Howie Throw real quick. Question for the show. I'm about one year into my ABS membership to be a Journeyman Smith. I'm questioning the benefits of being a member. Is it just for bragging rights? If I can compete the same stress test at home and know that I'm making a quality knife, then why do I need this certificate for? How do you guys feel about it? Thanks. Hmm. I suppose it, we talked about this earlier about sort of art and that being subjective. Um, I mean, this gives you the shows here at a certain level. Um, and, you know, that may be important to you. Um, probably not so much for me. Um, yeah, um, it, it it sort of draws a line, and and you're you're then above that line. You know that's that's the way to look at it. Maybe um, I'm sure there's other benefits of being a member of the ABS. Um, I don't know. I'm not a member because over here in Europe we don't really have that kind of thing. Um, but Jeff, what do you think? It's interesting because I talk to a lot. These societies are very important. These organizations are very important. Uh, Abana, ABS, the American Welding Society, all these societies are very, very good because they they are 
the flagship for a community and they set some standards in regards to whether or not it's, I, I, the older I get, the more into the, you know, the philosophical things of life I'm more interested in. And I think that having the ABS is super important. I forgot if I always lapse on my dues. I don't even know where the fuck I am. I know that I pay, I know I paid a couple times and I'll keep paying and I want to become a member. I want to stay a member and I might never test just because it's just like not on my radar at the moment. I think that it's, very good to have them. What they do is they allow you, from what I understand, talking to a few ABS guys, the journeyman Smith might be the harder test because it makes you focus on things and have a firmer understanding. And to me, that's kind of more important than the bragging rights is, you know, a piece of paper, you know, I write a piece of paper. Ultimately it doesn't matter, but like, Having them make you focus on something that gives you a firm understanding of what you're doing is ultimately better for you as a maker if you feel that's the case. I'm a member. I don't know if I'm in good standing. I will be in good standing. But I think it's a very, very important thing. And the other thing is with blacksmithing and bladesmithing, this shit is going away. Abana is like... They're like, you know, Abana is needs to be supported. These organizations, the better they are supported, the more they're going to end up doing. So I think it's important to be a member of Abana and the NEB. Bob Menard, don't send me messages anymore, please. Bob Menard wanted to know. Bob Menard of the NEB. I don't know if he's listening to this, but he asked me if I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to make a joke. Bob Menard asked me if he wanted me to him to send me pictures of his dick tonging. And I said, keep it to yourself, Bob. I'm not interested in any of that. And he says, I should have figured. I'm like, yes, you should have figured. From now on, that's it. I'm with you, Bob. You're my guy. Join the NEB. And, um, but I think it's important ultimately to do these things. And it's what you want to get out of it. I think you should think big, more importantly of the bigger picture. And I love Bob Menard. Bob Menard's with me, but keep your DMs yourself, okay? All right. <laughs> Where are we? Um, JVB Knives Canada. Uh, question. What kind of respirator and face shields with a blower are the best bang for the buck? The VersaFlow costs around two grand in Canada here. So he's talking about those, those positive pressure um, face shields. Right. And the respirator where they, they blow a stream of air to stop any any sort of dust getting in. Um, I use a really sort of cheap one, um, and I can't think what it's called now. The pa- power cap, I think I believe it's called. So it's like a, it's like a baseball cap on the front, um, and there's a a, a a visor coming over your face. Um, there's like an elastic around the chin so nothing can get in. But then you've got two filters above with a fan. So it'll, it'll bring the air in, filter down, and give you like a wash of, of fresh air down your face. Um, works, works great, um, as long as you change the filters regularly, and they're just like normal filters that you'd get on your normal sort of 3M standard, you know, non-powered um, respirator, I suppose. Um, and they, they work great, and I think maybe that was maybe three, 400 euros a couple of years ago. They're not that expensive. It's certainly not as good as, the you know, those... those Versa flows, you know, whether you wear it on your belt and all that kind of thing. Um, but they seem to do the job. I, I don't get black boogers, so that's that's my um, <laughs> that's that's my way of telling whether they're good or not, whether they work or not. That is a good way. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I use. Um, Jeff, are you using any sort of powered respirator? I don't. You know what? Part of it is because 
one of the things is is I have a full mask that I use for glue CA gluing because CA CA gluing is is it's it just like affects you. So I have one I have a mask, but I always feel like the 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 it just gets scratched up. Like the screen gets scratched up. So and I used to use uh, face shields, and the screen gets, gets scratched up. And I just like I don't know. I I would be worried about the scratching of the the VersaFlow thing, but. And then from what some of our listeners have said, don't eat a, you know, aggressive lunch because apparently you end up no. eating, you, <laughs> yeah. eating, you eat your lunch farts, you know, your, your yeah. awful farts. It goes, you know, you toot out and then it goes right into the fan and then it gets you, you know, you get like, gets yourself some fucking hot boxing going on. Yeah. With, with regards to the, the face shields and scratching, you can get the, um, like, peel-offs, you know, like an F1 driver, he'll have a peel-off and you peel it off and there's another one underneath and you keep What's peeling. that, an F1 uh, driver? A Formula One driver, you know. The, what do I, how do I the fuck do I know about that, dude? Uh, well, how would I know about a Formula One driver? I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't even know the difference between an airplane and a Black Hawk helicopter. Quite true, quite true. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so they're, they're like peel offs, okay. um, um, and you can just peel one off, and there's another one. But I mean, mine came with them. But once I'd run out of peel offs, I'm down to the bare sort of plastic, um, and I've I haven't put a new peel off on in well over a year. Um, I, f- I find it fine. I, uh, yeah, no real scratches. The, ma- the main reason for me using it is I wear glasses, and oh. um, there's the danger of, first of all, them breaking, but obviously, you know, dust and stuff, it, I forever clean my glasses. So underneath, I can still wear my glasses. Um, the respirator is not tight on my face. It's not pulling my glasses into my head and making it uncomfortable. Um, in hot weather, it keeps me cool as well. Um, they, yeah, I think particularly if you wear glasses, they're, they're great things to have. Hmm. So they don't make you, they don't fog up? No, 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 they don't because they've always got this moving air. And, and the air that's bringing in is the same as the, out, is, is the air outside because it's just, you know. Wow. It's, it's that sounds like a great idea. In the same room. Hmm. They're, they're great. They're great. They are a little heavier. They can be quite top heavy, you know, the, t- the type that I've got yeah. because they've got a little motor on the top of your head. But they're, they're not crazy heavy. Mm. You, know, you, you, you certainly feel it's on, but you soon get used to it. I will say that you should definitely use a respirator as often as you can. I have a respirator mm-hmm. on my face all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what do you want to do? Where are we? Um, the Blade Maker um, on Instagram. Can you heat treat multiple knives in the same stainless pouch? Uh, not like a crazy number, but two or three at a time. Um, and as a side note, he says, by the way, Jeff, I'm working on a batch of 32 offset serrated knives, and mine are much better. Yeah, I bet. Blade maker. <laughs> Making jokes. Trust me, at least you're being honest. Everybody else is just like, <laughs> all, true, of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, it's offset serrated like fever. <laughs> These fucking guys. <laughs> out, outrageous. Um, here's the, here's the inter- It's interesting because... I remember when I first start the first the, the second and third knives I made I was helping Matt Paul MP knives he was teaching a class at our old shop and I said well can I can I quench two knives at the same time and I said if they're like you know if I put them together and quench them at the same time and he goes I don't think that that'll be a problem but the problem is is like it's all about if you have two knives sandwiched together and you're plate quenching them at the same time you're only getting the outsides of the the, the knives yeah. that are touching that's where this, the heat's coming off that's where the heat that's where the heat sink is 
So the inside is not cooling as quickly as the outside. So the answer is, Mister, I'm going to make. I can't wait to see your 32 bananas because if you're going to, if you're going <laughs> to, if you're doing, yeah, that's what you should say. You you can do 32. Yeah, at go once. ahead. You got this I, one big you, massive break. You should go definitely ahead. do all of them at the same time. You and your fucking offset serrated <laughs> bananas. I look forward to seeing them all. I hope that they're all like, oh, these. You can cut around a quarter with these knives because that's what's going to happen. And here's the thing I I've been hearing a lot lately about people talking about warps. If you're if you're working with any kind of steel from steel you get at a construction site or from a mild steel to carbon steel to stainless steel when you're welding when you're adding heat and then it contracts and it expands and contracts it's going to warp steel warps it's not the type of fucking steel. It's all steel warps. If you add heat to one side and the other side's cool, it's going to curve. So you have to understand that steel has a chance to warp. So that means that you want to try to counteract that warping by A, adding heat to the other side, or quenching like a normal person and not doing two or three and, and having that middle one get nothing, none of the, the benefits of the, uh, the, the quench. So yeah. just stop asking for – some of you guys ask, like, you come up with something and you have this idea, like, well, what if you use Gatorade to quench in? I, I don't know what to tell you. These people are coming up with these perfectly good reasons to do the way you're supposed to do it, and you should do it. Don't try to off-road your intelligence because it's not yeah. working. I think – well, there's a couple of things. So whether you mean um, pre-grind, so whether you just got complete flats um, – the issue you've got there is you're just making more mass. Right. You're putting these together, and you're just making a big mat. And as Jeff said, that middle is not going to cool at the same rate as the outer, as the outer sort of shells of each face of each of each. Blade. And that's why these things um, come out warped. Yeah, yeah. And the other issue you've got, if you're doing them um, after a grind, um, you're going to have these crazy angles anyway, and there's going to be air pockets. And e- either way, I, I just don't think it's worth even trying there's, there's little point to i would that you know all the work that goes into a knife for that you know two or three minutes that it takes to do it actually do the actual quench you know just take your time do it properly it's what is interesting is is like i'm gonna make these two hammers and i'm slightly i'm excited but i'm also nervous but what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna do something different than i did the last time usually i try to knock it out in a day i'm going to do every step the correct way and if it takes me a a couple different sessions then i'm accepting that and i think that that's the reason i think that's going to change the way i do things and just kind of have a little bit of acceptance and patience because that is the number one the reason why knives warp is because if you're if you put a if you put a knife in oil on its side it's going to cool on one side and then the outsides and then it's going to banana up. That's why you put it straight down. And that's why you mm. wave it around up and down or, or not side to side, but up to, you know, uh, stem to stern or fucking spine to edge is because you want to make sure that one side's not cooling down faster than the other. And then that's what contracts and expands. So warping is something that happens because it's, and the other thing is, is when you're plate quenching, you want to have if you're plate quenching the way I plate quench, where you have one plate of steel on the table, and then you have an, and then you put the steel, you put your knife down on it, and then you put the second plate on top. You want to hustle because as soon as you put that f- plate down on its saw on the for it's going to start taking the aluminum is going to start taking the heat away immediately. So you need to fucking get it in one thing. 
down and then boom, uh, put the top on. And then so you want to have it quench at the same rate, both sides the same rate. Yeah. So, But I mean, it, it's not such a crazy idea because I, I do the same thing when I do tempering. Um, I will temper a bunch of blades at the same time, and I, and I do clamp them all together, so they but are that's different. one big mass. Yeah, tempering is obviously very different. Um, but maybe he was taking that idea and seeing if he could do it for, for quenching. Well, so, yeah, when it comes to tempering, I do tend to do that. I, I take a bunch, because for me, it's all sort of pre-grind, so they're all completely flat. Um, I, I can stick, you know, six or even eight blades um, all together, clamp them all together, so it's one big mass. Because then they're soaking anyway, and you want that, that soak temperature to go right through the whole thing. If you've ever seen Blen- Blenheim Forge or our good friend, our roving reporter, our, our, uh, our pinch hitter, Holly Loftus. Holly, Holly Loftus. She gets mad when I call her Loftus. Holly's the greatest. She, what they'll do is they'll make a rack. They've, they've all, it's almost like a cage. Or, or, or it's a bar with, like, hanging uh, hooks. And then they'll take all the knives out at the same time, and then their, their oil quench will be a wider, deeper thing. So they're quenching a few different knives at the same time, but there's space in between them. And then that way they're, quen- they're doing one quench, but it's like almost like a tree. It's like a tree of five knives. So they're quenching five knives at the same time. Now, this is not stainless steel and it's not using a pouch, but they're doing one operation. And So the interesting thing is is they're going to get the same Rockwell because, you know, they're all, you know, the... the yeah, conditions are the same. The conditions are the... one. It's one time. It's, it's the... Or I would assume because the oil temperature is going to be the same as opposed to, you know, doing five at the same time, five one after the other. The last one's going to get the oil is going to be hotter. So it is an interesting concept, and it's quenching at the same time, but they're all spaced out on a tree, hanging from hooks, and then their oil quench tank is wider so it can accommodate five different things with space in between. Very cool. Holly rules. So does Blenheim. Okay. Shall we call it a day? Or if you want, we still have Super Bowl predictions. I guess we could do it the thing, and... um, Let's do Super Bowl predictions because we've got other stuff then for our after show. Okay, great. Okay. Um, I want the ones in the, the best hats to win, which are <laughs> the orange and black hats. They, they look good. The ones in the best bonnets. I want them to win. Well, the best bonnets, you're, you're, you're saying you want the Bengals. This is now I, what I reached. And the, you know, we don't talk about sports very often. The funny thing is, in my house, we are on Olympic fever. We are watching the Olympics. As soon as we walk in the door, we turn the Olympics on. A lot of it's for like mental health. My what? BS. There is not a better person to go to a sporting event with than my wife. She, I don't know what happened. When she was younger, she was a soccer player and she was a captain of the soccer team. She loved sports she gets so invested in the now of sports she doesn't even have to be a fan of the sports she gets excited she gets upset she gets i mean she's the best person to go to a game with the best so we've been listening to knicks games and she paces we're listening to the knicks games and she's pacing the kitchen and she's not a jock now but we're really getting into what uh sports as a something to stay away from what's going on in the world and something like that yeah Nice. So we did watch the the. We're not big football fans, but we did watch the playoffs, were which were amazing. The, the playoffs were a lot of fun. They were great. The and uh, two two underdogs won. Well, I don't think the Rams were underdogs. So the Super Bowl this year is going to be against the Cincinnati Bengals and the and the L.A. Rams. And I 
reached out because I thought, here's the chance for our listeners to have some bragging rights and to come up with scores that we're talking in the past and then they'll hear in the future and then they'll be right or wrong. So it's going to be the, the Bengals and the Rams. And the first one who the first one who I think is going to be the champ grand champion is going to be uh, Dustin O'Hara of the um, uh, Art of Making a Podcast. He says, hey, cuties, here's my Super Bowl predictions. And he can give a score. It's going to be Bengals over the Rams, 30 to 27. Uh, Jake Norris says, Rams over the Bengals, 38 to 27. Uh, Steelhead Forge says he wants the Bengals to avenge the loss because they, they, uh, the Bengals at least will make our loss to them worth it. So the Bengals beat the Chiefs. So he's a so poor Steelhead's bummed the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs were supposed to win, by the way. Uh, oh, by the way, there was a the best bet. The best bet of all time was on the Howard Stern show. There was a one Chiefs fan and a and a uh, Bengals fan, and the Bengals played the Chiefs. And J.D. Harmeyer, who is one of the writers, against Richard Christie. So Richard Christie, the bet was if the Chiefs win, the Ch- if the Chiefs win, then J.D. has to show his dick to Richard for 60 <laughs> seconds. 60 yeah, seconds. Yeah, 60 seconds. He has to show it. He's very nervous about it. And then um, if the Bengals win, then the, they would have to burn Richard's Chiefs gear. But now it's gotten it's gotten much worse than that. So right, okay. much worse. I'm not even okay. explain this. There's ejaculation involved. It's really <laughs> oh, really Christ. fucking bad. But I'm like <laughs> we really it's, it's blah blah blah. Howard Stern. Um, okay. So we got JD Eiler says Bingle, uh, Bengals. Joe Egbert says I want the Bengals to win, but LA is a better team. Rams by ten. Joe Egbert with the numbers. Lucas Haas says uh, predictions. Oh, so there, you know what a prop bet is. A prop bet is everything except for what the game. So Lucas Hansen says the winning coach is going to have blue Gatorade poured over them. Snoop Dogg, who's playing at the at the halftime show, will wear purple shoes during the halftime show. The price of Bitcoin is going to go down from another crypto ad. There will be no more uh, no wardrobe malfunctions more than and then uh, more than six point five commercials have dogs in them. They bet on everything. I don't know if you know this, but like the Super no. Bowl, they bet on the to- coin toss. They bet if uh, who's going to sing the national anthem. They bet on they bet everything's a bet. It's crazy, wow. totally crazy. Um, uh, f- uh, from Dusk Till Dawn says, "I'm not an American, but I'm only interested in the halftime show. Rams by the logo. That's uh, like you." Uh, Benjamin Mullen says Rams. I always pull for the NFC. Benton Harmer, uh, Benton Harmer says Bengals, Seahawks fans. So fuck the Rams. Also, I'm a rookie and I booked a work travel. I'm a rookie and I booked work travel Monday, which is when I'm I'm in on Australia. So I'll be watching the Monday night replay. Fire Ice and Forge says Bengals. Uh, Jesse Lang says go Rams. And last but not least, we got a drunk text from Nick Hershey who says. As my coworker says, I'm not into the ball sports. Also, I'm 19 bourbons in, so I don't read any. So don't read any of this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> glad to be on. <laughs> glad to be one of your drunk messengers. And before you say anything, fuck off. I'm with you. So Nick Hershey <laughs> didn't really tell us who he was voting for, rooting for, but I'm going to root for the Bengals because I am a fan of the underdog. So there we have it. Nice. So. Europeans, so if you're into your ball sports, it's Six Nations season, um, and because we're recording on a Saturday, um, I'm actually missing the Welsh game. Oh, I'm sorry. I just looked, it's half-time. Um, 
and um, you'll know because it's going out Monday. But um, it's fourteen all half time against Scotland, which is pretty good. So oh, we better finish this show <laughs> off so you can watch the rest of it. <sighs> well, maybe, maybe. Well, after last week's performance, maybe not. Um, so um, Wales played Ireland last week um, in Ireland um, and got a complete thrashing. Complete thrashing. So, we're playing um, Scotland today, who beat England last week, um, which was a very good game for them. Um, and we're drawing, so it's, it's not all bad. Ugh. Not all bad. That was the sport news. Thanks for listening. We shall speak to you all again next week. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. That'll do. Okay. Good show. We didn't even talk Enjoyed about that. Valentine's Day. We this is coming out on Valentine's Day. It is. Yeah. What you? It, I'm. I've got that thing where my wife has said, "Look, we're not doing anything for Valentine's Day." Okay. Nothing. No cards. Nothing. And I'm like, okay. But now I'm in. You know, do I do something? Do I yeah. not do something? What do I do? Know? Give her coronavirus for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be a, a card. You know, and that, that'll do. I think. I. I. I uh... I wanted, I, you know, I thought about it because, you know, we don't do. We're at the point now where we, you know, Hillary got chocolates for wheat. We're all eating chocolates and stuff like that as a family and yeah. stuff like that. But I said to Hillary, I'm like, you don't need me to get you. You don't want me to get you because I believe it is a Hallmark holiday. I do believe that these. My dad used to say, don't buy any of these bullshit Hallmark holidays. Mm. But at the same time, I, I was saying to my wife, I said, you don't want me to get you anything, do you? And she goes, better bring me flowers. And I'm like. <laughs> I am on it. I know, but I I knew to get flowers because you know. But at the same time, it's like, all right, Junior. But uh, do you have any uh, do you have any funny, non romantic things that happen in your life, or any kind of like weird things that happen in your relationship with your wife? I'll give you an example. Okay. I was with my wife before we were together six years before we got married. We were living together for six years before we got married. Yeah. And I popped the question in a very, you know, nothing. Sp- it was, it was like, as you would expect from me, it was like, you want to get married or what? It was really like, I mean, there was, I wanted her to pick her ring because I knew that I wouldn't get in her anything that would, that she liked. So we went and shopped together and it wasn't, I mean, it was just like, we legitimately, we just woke up and I said, I got a great idea. Let's get married or something like that. It was like something like very unremarkable, unre- which is completely. Yeah. Tony said it's a tax write off. Should we get married? <laughs> uh, <I don't> <laughs> I didn't. I'm trying to. I knew Tony back. I knew Tony back then too. But uh, no, it was. I was. I legitimately was like, yeah, dumb. And I was talking to. But but beforehand, before I popped the question, I was. I I was talking to my dad, and I said to him, "Do you? I'm gonna ask. I, I thought it was important for me to tell my dad because you know whatever." And I said, "Did you did you ask her dad first? I did not, and I'll tell oh. you why. Because my dad used to tell me, "You're marrying the person, not the family." And he, hey, I just thought, if only that was true. <laughs> I thought, I, well, I'm not asking for permission, and you know, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't know. I, I, it probably would have been a good idea, but I, I didn't. It's fine. It's all fine now. But I remember succinctly talking to my dad. I said, "Dad, I'm going to ask Hillary to marry me." And the first thing he said was, he was quiet. He goes, well, what are you going to do if she says no? And I was like, fuck you. Jesus. Thanks for the pep talk. What a fucking thing to say. I said, dad, what a fucking thing to say. He said, well, what are you going to do? You're not going to buy the ring, are you? I'm like, what kind oh, of, geez. what the fuck? What kind of confidence is that? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Why don't I, why don't I give you this, this important information for anyway? 
So that was that was the only unromantic thing I remember about it all. Oh, however, I will tell you the most romantic thing I ever did, and this is like a the biggest baller move that I could never replicate at all. I was working. I was when I was in college. I was uh, I was in the summers. I was a coat check person at the Rainbow Room, which is one of the most famous restaurants in New York at Rockefeller, top of Rockefeller Center. And I was a coat check kid. I had the, the you know the jacket on that made me look like I was in the Star Trek Enterprise, and I took famous people's coats and you know gave them the ticket, and then they would give me the ticket back and give them the coats back. And I befriended the people at the, at the restaurant. I was there on the summers and stuff like that. And then when Hillary, for the first time she ever came to New York, I picked her up at JFK or uh, LaGuardia. And I brought her into New York. I drove her, and it was beautiful. You could see the city, and it's just such an incredible, you know, entrance into New York. And then we brought her bags down, and I said, all right, get your best clothes on. I'm taking you out. And I took her to the Rainbow Room, and then they gave me, my friend who was the, the, the concierge, the, uh, the maitre d' at one of, the, one of the areas of the Rainbow Room, gave me a seat, a table, at a, at a Richie Haven, for Richie Havens. Richie Havens was playing there. And... We sat down. We had this incredible seat, this little table by Richie Havens, and then they brought over this bottle of champagne. I was just like, and she was just like, I was, like, I could ask her to marry her then. I mean, I would have been like, Jeff, I'm wet at this point. <sighs> but it was like a hard. It, I mean, you can't beat that shit. I mean, it's just like it's all over. Like I, I stroked, I stroked that shit. That's called getting stroked, where you get the white glove service. <laughs> no, that's that's legitimate. Getting stroked. That's a, that's a white. <laughs> that's when you get the white glove service at a restaurant. You're getting stroked. So I got. Fu- I mean, it was just like I could have fucking. I could have asked her to marry me right there, and we were like twenty. Did you ever do anything stupid trying to impress her? <sighs> You're gonna tell me a story. I, let me think about it. I've got a great. I'm not sure if I've talked about this Go on ahead. the show before. Um, COVID Chronicles, bring it home. Bring it home. May, maybe eighteen months, two years, and um, we've been together. We we were living together, and and, and so on. And we're like, well, we're going to go on holiday. So we, we were, you know, we had plans. We we're going to go to uh, the Côte d'Azur in France, which is like in the south. You've got Monaco, right. Nice, Cannes, Saint Tropez, yeah. you know, and they're all next to each other. It's beautiful, beautiful. So we're looking, we looked at hotels and that, and it was like, oh, well. At the time, I had a, I had a boat, like a little little yacht. It wasn't a huge thing. Or <laughs> Unrelatable um, Lockwood. Like, okay, keep going. <laughs> anyway, so, so we're looking at hotels, and I'm like, well, we could just hire a yacht over there. And, um, you know, rather than the hotels, and that way we can, we can jump between different marinas. We can go, you know, we can do the whole sort of Côte d'Azur nicely, properly. And she was like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And the next thing you know, she's on the phone to her mum, and her mum's like, could could like me and your dad come oh, too? Then like her brother and his girlfriend, sake. they're like, "Could we come too?" And and I'm and I'm like, um, "Yeah, I suppose." So anyway, we ended up getting this this, this forty six foot yacht. We oh bought, my and it had god! Like, like a sailing yacht too. You know, it's none of the, none of these like stinky motor things. A bit, and it, you know, there's three double bedrooms, and there's a huge lounge. It's, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful. So I'm like. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it'll be fine. So I'm like, I'm, I'm shitting myself now, thinking, you know, the yacht that I had was, you know, thirty foot, you know, and ve- you know, a thirty foot and a forty six foot yacht are very, very different things, very different things, especially one that's in Monaco because you know it's worth a fuck ton of money. So anyway, so we're on the plane on the way over, and I'm shitting myself, thinking I'm not going to be able to handle it. You know, they've never sailed before in their life. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, it's, I can't say no now. It's too late. We're on the plane. Like, oh, oh my fuck. god! So, 
I'm literally Google googling the the model of the boat on the on the plane. See if I can find a manual for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking. So we get there. We're, we're shown that we get picked up, and they they show us the marine, and they're like, oh, "This is your boat." And it, it was we were the first people to use this boat. It was brand new, and this you know this is a, a million pound plus boat. It's fucking immense. It's beautiful. And they're like, okay, okay, yeah, you know, are you all good? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. We, I got full control of this. I'm fine. So they go off down, down the slipway now and we're just left with this boat. So everybody's excited running around all the rooms, you know, picking the room they're having all the rest oh of it. Oh my God. And, you know, they, they open the champagne and so on. So I go down now and, um, I'm lucky now how to start the engine. I'm like, I haven't got a fucking clue. I haven't got a clue. There's buttons everywhere. I'm like, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So there's, like the boat next to us, I, I you know, I, I go and I introduce myself. I said, oh, would you mind? Just I said, you know, I, I, I'm not used to this specific boat. Would you mind just showing me? Because the boat next door is the same. And he was like, yeah, I'll show you. So we started it up. And you know, I've never been so scared coming out of a marina in my whole lifetime. Because, um, you know, as you can imagine, Monaco Harbour is pretty small, but there's... As you know, did you say as you know is pretty small? How well, the fuck would I know TV. if it's small or not? You may have seen on the TV and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Funny yeah, enough, the course. F1 goes right past the marina. So okay. if you're into F1, you'd know exactly what Monaco Marine looks like. Um, but um, yeah, you know, and the, the, the way they, they, in the Mediterranean, the way they, they, um, they moor boats, they go stern in. So you've got to literally reverse into the space. And you're flanked by these, you know, multi-million pound yachts. And I've got, you know, Amy's dad, who's half deaf. I'm shouting orders <laughs> to him at the front. I've got Amy's brother, who's drunk at this point. I'm getting, it. oh, it was just, it was just the most nervous few hours of my entire life. But we had a, anyway, we had a great holiday. It was all great and nothing really went wrong. Um, but we, <laughs> I say nothing went wrong. <laughs> we, we, uh, the whole idea was we were, we were going to hop between all these different marinas. Um, we actually got thrown out of Monaco. Right. <laughs> The second day. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh man! So, um, Amy's dad. Um, he, he's very set in in a particular way. Should we? Should we say? I know. And I know Mon- what happened. It, I already know what happened. You know. Okay. So Mon- Monaco has these um, these different rules, these different laws. Um, it's, it's it's its own sort of uh, principality. So it has its own king and all the rest of it. And. Um, so one of the things is you're not allowed to be barefoot anywhere. Um, you're not allowed to be bare-chested anywhere unless you're on the beach. And you're not allowed to drink in public unless you're in a, a licensed sort of area. Right. So anyway, we're, we're in the marina. We're all sitting on the boat and having a drink on the back of the boat, which is absolutely, you know, it's fine. Um, um, we go out for dinner. So myself, Amy, Amy's brother and his partner, we go out for dinner. And, you know, beautiful, right? It's, it's, it's an amazing place. Have a dinner, lovely dinner. We're walking back to the boat and we could just hear sort of shouting and singing and we're like, what the hell is going on here? As you're walking towards the marina, we get closer and Amy's like, oh, shit, I think that's my dad. We're like, oh, no, surely not. Anyway, we get... We, <laughs> <laughs> we get to the boat. He's standing on the back of the boat in a pair of tighty whities <laughs> drinking, singing as loud as he can. But not only him, he's he's got. Do you do you know who Richard Branson is? Yes, you of know, course. Who okay. Virgin, well, Virgin well, Records. Well, it wasn't Richard Branson with him, but it was Richard Branson's personal pilot who was staying in the marina too. So he's on the back of the boat. He's just as drunk as Amy's dad, 
and they're throwing their bottles into the water. They're singing as loud as they can, and we're dying now. Me, Amy, and Amy's brother, we're just oh fuck, what, what are we gonna do? So anyway, we get him to bed. We all we all have a nice sleep. I go down to the marina office in the morning um, to pay for another night so we can stay in the same place because it was such a nice spot. And they were like, no, you must leave now. And we're like, sorry? They were like, yeah, we're, we're coming out with another boat and we're going to guide you out to the marina. You need to leave here now. We're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, so we got, we got thrown out of the marina in Monaco. Look at you. I thought it was because he like, pooped in somewhere. Or, like There was some sort of problem. No, no, no. Drunken no. tidy whities He's just very drunk in his tidy whities um, We, yeah, with Richard Branson's personal uh, Look pilot. Look at you. Which is, which That's kicking much better than that story. Damn. Yeah. But so that was that was uh, yeah, that was me trying to impress their family and shitting myself on the plane, thinking, how the fuck am I going to? Damn. <laughs> I'm trying to th- <laughs> get out of this one. <sighs> I, anyway, I, the only I'm trying to impress a family that ever had was our wedding you know Mm. all the families you know there's as you know when you're getting married there are certain like customs like the the bride's parents pay for the wedding and you know those bullshit customs well my dad who is so fucking tight he he says well don't expect me to pay for the wedding he's like this is the this is the this is the uh this is on on the, the the you know your your fiance's family i mean he was like yeah. tight to that one he was like just you know that's a, that's the custom i ain't doing shit and then hillary's parents were very like nervous and you new york wedding i don't know i ended up doing the whole thing by barter and i was working for charlie palmer at the time and he told me if i had opened this we had to, i was work making a restaurant for helping build a restaurant he says if you can get this restaurant open on this day on this deadline i will do your whole wedding for you so I was like working like a fucking dog to uh, get this restaurant open, like, and we got it open, and we we found us we had a space that my mother used to work at. And we got it for free. Then we got Charlie got all the. This is the, the Charlie's the best. Charlie had all did all the catering, but he had all the all the the people working the job were all like salaried employees. So like mm. the controller was there and then the, the, you know, the head of the accounting department was there and it was like, he grabbed everybody <laughs> who you'd have to pay extra for. And it was yeah. such a fucking impressive movie because then Charlie came out and there's a picture of me uh, with Charlie Palmer. And at the time, this is 1990, <sighs> this is 2000 and what the fuck year did we get? Me? 2001. This is 2001. So he was like the hottest shit in New York. And there's this picture of when he came out and everyone is, wow, Jeff got Charlie Palmer to, and the thing is, is every, the whole, the whole, everyone was very impressed, but I was just like, you know, everything I did, everything for, I bartered everything, you know? So it was like, everything was bartered. And that was the only time I ever impressed anybody. And then the funny part was, is my dad wanted me to invite some of his business, uh, his business associates. And I said, go fuck yourself. He's like, it'll be very embarrassing for me. I was like, yeah, you should have thought about that before you told me you're not paying for any of this wedding. So. That was it. Weddings, having to invite people you don't want there. It's the worst. I have a hot tip for your weddings. Don't do sit-down dinner. Don't do it. Don't get stuck sitting down next to people. Don't do it. That's the best thing I can suggest is past hors d'oeuvres. That's the move. Cheaper and better. There we go. Now, do you know we talked about um, funny headlines? Oh, yes. Last couple of weeks, we've done some funny headlines. And it got me thinking this week. So... um, those in the UK will remember the Sunday sport. 
So again, last week I mentioned red tops, and you were like, what's a red top? And I explained that it was a a certain type of tabloid paper, which is basically bullshit. Um, But there was one far worse than any of them. It was called the Sunday Sport. And it was part fictional, (laughs) (laughs) part like sensationalized stuff, you know, fiction, lots of, you know, satirical stuff and, you know, celebrity gossip, a lot of sport, the real sport and all that kind of stuff. Um, But there's lots of, you know, topless girls and all those, you know, the the lowest end of rag you could possibly think of. Of course. But but they were famous for their headlines. Um, And I've got some of them. I just want to read some of them out because they're just incredible. Um, (laughs) So this is the headline on the front page. Help. I've got a Jamie Oliver garlic press up my ass, <laughs> And this is alongside a, an x-ray of somebody's pelvis with a Jamie Oliver garlic pressed. I like the product, uh, I like the product endorsement yeah. part. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, another one. Um, I bonked 500 women pretending to be James May. And this is a picture of this fat James May lookalike. <laughs> Bombed. <laughs> this is a great one. This is a great one. This is the the supermarket pervs. Hilarious excuse. Again, front page. I wasn't flashing my willy. I was shoplifting sausages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of these are absolutely brilliant. These people I, I, who I write these it. headlines are goddamn geniuses. Yeah, yeah. A man banned from every park in Bolton for licking the dog's asses. <laughs> And I'm going to leave you on this classic from the Sunday Sport. Ten years ago, this the, the lotto made me a millionaire. Now I suck off dogs for creepers. <laughs> oh, my God. Suck off dogs for creepers. And that's the end of the show, Uh, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.